Well, we've been in a series called Good Ground. I believe this is part four. Let's look at uh, Mark 4, verse 1. You guys ready tonight? Mark 4, verse 1. It says, And again he began to teach by the sea, Jesus, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So he's speaking in a parable, speaking in a, a story to illustrate a point. Let's skip down to verse 13. Here he's going to explain the, the parable. Verse 13, and it says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. So he's saying the sower that he just illustrated with the seed. The seed is the word. Verse 15, And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. In verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So he's telling us what these different uh, scenarios mean. You know, the... the the seed that was um, sowed by the wayside, that was on the rocky ground in the thorns, and then finally the ones that, um, that actually produced. And so verse 20 said, These are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. In Luke 8.15, it's the parallel of that same last verse. It says, But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So that's our goal, is to be part of that group that bears the fruit. These other groups, they, they weren't able to come to fruition. They, the, the seed was sown, but it didn't produce. So ultimately, we want to be that good ground. And as we're looking at this, we're looking at different aspects. Of course, uh, Jesus describes other scenarios and what happened in those scenarios and how they didn't produce. We're going to look at another one of those, a different aspect of that tonight. Mark 4, verse 5. Let's go back to 
to that. We're just going to read the parable part and then the, the uh, corresponding explanation. Verse 5 says, Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. So that's one group. So the, sown, the, the seed was sown on stony ground. And so it didn't have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And then, um, we don't have verse 6 there, but I'll read it to you. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. So you have seed sown on rocky ground, sprouts up quick, but then gets scorched and dies. So at the end, it didn't, really, it didn't produce anything. So Mark 4, 16, then Jesus explains this. And he said, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So let's read that again. So notice, this is corresponding to the seed that's sown on rocky ground, grows up quick, gets scorched, goes away. So Jesus says then, go ahead and put that up, verse 16, these likewise are the ones on stony ground who when they hear the word, so people, when a person hears the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. They hear the word and they're happy about it. They're excited about it. But verse 17 says, when they have no root in themselves, or they have no root in themselves, so they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So they receive the word with gladness, but as they start to go forward, something happens in their life, an adversity, and they let go. Let's look at uh, verse 16 in the Amplified, and I want you to notice something. Verse 16 says, In the same way the ones sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive and accept and welcome it with joy. With joy. In the NLT it says, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. So they're joyful when they hear the word. They have joy. The Passion Translation says, What is sown on gravel represents those who hear the message and receive it joyfully. They receive it joyfully, but when something happens in their life, that contradicts what they've heard, that is a push against them, they let go. So they started out in joy, but they ended up losing out. Let's look at Nehemiah 8.10. I want you to notice something here. Read a few more verses. Nehemiah 8.10 says, When he said to them, or then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
The joy of the Lord is your strength. God's joy is our strength as we walk through life. Read a couple more verses. I just want to, there's several things I want to go over. We'll keep reading verses, but I, before we say a few things. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity, that means in the day when something's coming against you, your strength is small. In NLT it says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. Well, what is our strength? We know one part of our strength, or one way you can apply it, is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And here it's saying, if you fail when there's pressure, your strength was small, and you could say without doing it any injustice, your joy was too small. And what we read in the parable of the sower is that they started out, they heard the word, they were excited, they said, this is my answer, I'm excited about the word, I see the truth, this is what I need to hear. They started out with joy, but when something hit them, that contradicted it, that was pressure, that was adversity, they let it go. Well, what did we just read? If you fail in the day of adversity, your strength was too small. One part of your strength is going to be your joy. There's no way you can be strong and be completely down in the dumps. You won't be strong. In other words, a strong person, I mean, you may be strong physically, but even then, you won't be as strong, be able to operate like you could when you are depressed. But on the other hand, you could be going through a storm on the earth, but if, if your joy is intact, you can make it through. And don't you know, the, we're looking at a category that, of people that failed. So they... they they were doing something that didn't bring them through. So they started out, and one aspect of this, what we're going to look at tonight, is our joy. When we start out in joy, see, they didn't end in joy, and they didn't produce anything. But had they gone through it in joy, had they been able to go through the adversity, then they could have ended up of course, there's other things, there's other groups, and, and we'll, we've talked about some, we'll look at others, but we're talking about aspects that are critical for us to actually produce fruit, and without which we won't. And this is one of those areas. If we let our joy be stolen, if we let our joy get knocked out of us when we have adversity, because you are going to have adversity on the earth. I will have adversity on the earth. Jesus said so. He said, on this earth, you will have, have tribulation. But be in Mark, John 16, 33, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. He said, you will have it. You will have pressure, but it's what you do in the face of it. And if we're only excited about the word when we receive it and when we see it, you know, in a service like this, when we read it, when we watch somebody on TV, when we hear an MP3 or stream something, we're like, glory to God, that is the truth. I see that. I see how I could apply it. Next time I face this, man, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Glory to God. I'm excited. 
That's all great, but it's when that thing then hits you in the face in the real world, if you go, man, what? it's not supposed to be like this, what? This stuff doesn't work. That's your joy just going right out the window and what's coming next? You're not gonna make it through. And that's may or may not happen to have happened to anybody in this room. I will say it's happened to me before. I, you know, I haven't, I haven't walked it perfectly, but just because we've done it in the past, we don't have to do it in the future, and we can be more knowledgeable realizing this is a tactic. If Satan can get you to release your joy and get depressed, get off, I and mean, you don't have to go completely, you know, uh, you know, into the mud, but if you just go down a notch, well, I'm just not as excited, that's still going in the wrong direction. That's not where we, we want to stay. I'm not talking about something fake. I'm not talking about putting on a smile. No, no, I'm talking about the real from the inside out. You are, you are in joy because you know God's word. You know what he has done. And it doesn't matter what's in front of you. You are still in joy. That was, is what's going to take you through. We're not talking about a show for somebody else. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about Christian easy stuff. We're not talking about phrases that you say just to say, hey, yeah, I'm in faith even though, you know, inside you're like, I don't know. No, that's not going to work. We need to know, we need to hold on to God's word and be rejoicing in the middle of it because it will bring us through. It is actually our strength. When we understand that, we're saying, wait, the last thing I need to be do if I'm doing, if I get hit with a problem, is if I release, get, let my joy go down and release that, I am going to get weak. But if I, if I press in and say, I'm going to be joyful anyway, even if it looks bad, that's actually strength from the inside out. That is, in, we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. He's not depressed. He's not down. And so we're tapping into what is already in there, the joy of the Lord is a fruit of the Spirit, and we're tapping into that so His power can emanate through us, de help us with the situation, help us quicken our mind, quicken our body, quicken us uh, just emotionally, physically, in all areas, and be strong to take or to go through any storm. And come out on the other side victorious. Let's look at 1 Peter uh, 1, verse 6. First Peter 1, verse 6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's go through this from the beginning, uh, go through all these verses 6 through 9. In this, verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice. Notice he starts out saying, in this you are rejoicing. 
Though now, for a little while, he's talking about trial, talking about pressure. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That's not the normal response, is to be rejoicing in the middle of, of a pressure, of adversity. But that's exactly what we're talking about when pressure comes. What do we do with it? Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith. Well, faith is believing the word. We're talking about the word coming being excited about it, but now it's getting tested. Well, it's going to prove, is it real? Or is it just, you know, about this deep? It's a facade. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested. See, that's what's going on in this scenario. I believe it. I'm so excited. And now the test, we find out. Do we believe it? One part of it is, if we're getting tested, Stay joyful. Stay strong. Believe. See, this all stems from faith. Believe even though it's not looking. See, it doesn't look like anything's changing. It doesn't look like it's what you heard. Look at the next part. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, whom having not seen, you love. Though it is tested, you are, it's finding you to praise and honor the Lord Jesus, even though when you look at everything, it looks like you shouldn't be praising God. It looks like you should be crying. It looks like you should be giving up. But you're saying, no, I'm going to be thankful and be in joy anyway. And that's exactly what this next part says. It says, though now you do not see him, Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Though you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy. You could say, though you don't see what you heard and what the word says and what you know God has promised, you still are going to rejoice. Yet believing something else, you rejoice with joy inexpressible. So even though you're not seeing it, you're rejoicing. And then verse 9 says, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So you hear the word, you have a challenge that tests your faith, that presses on you, and it presses on your emotions. Maybe it's pressing on you physically. But you don't see the end of your faith yet, but you believe something. And so you press in and you rejoice full of joy, even so. That's when that adversity is coming, that's the way we make it through. Look at this in a couple other, or a few other versions. First Peter 1 8, just verse 8, here in the Amplified Classic, it says, Without having seen him, you love him. Though you do not even now see him, you believe in him and exult and thrill with inexpressible and glorious, triumphant, heavenly joy. See, you haven't seen him. You could say you haven't seen the result, but you believe something. So then you're exulting and thrilling with inexpressible and glorious, triumphant, heavenly joy. Look at that in the NLT. These all see it, say it a little bit differently. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, 
You trust Him. Though you don't see the result in your life now, you trust God, you believe His words are true, and so you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. See, even though you have pressure, and even though you look out and see things that don't fit what the Word says, you have trust. And this is critical because when we let our joy slip, it is because our trust and our believing is slipping. It doesn't have anything to do with the circumstance. And, and we may say, oh, it has everything to do with the circumstance. Look, this is what's going on in front of me. That's why. Who would be happy or who would have joy in the middle of this? You would have joy because you believed something and you trusted him that this in front of you will change. That's how you have joy. And that shows where the relationship and where our faith is at that point. If we start to get pushed off, it's because our trust is waffling. So that's why then, even if the pressure's there, if we're saying, yeah, but God's word's true, he hasn't changed in the middle of it, I can trust him, see, I can keep my joy, I can be happy, happy's the wrong word, I can be joyful and rejoice anyway, right in the middle of it, say, God, you're true, this will pass. Lord, this may be testing me, this may be pushing me, this may be pushing my buttons, I don't like it. Nobody said you had to like it, nobody said you had to lie. You say, it's not fun, but I will come through. And I will go over. And God, you are true and you are faithful and I will come out the other side. So right now, I'm going to be joyful. I'm just going to make the devil really mad. He's trying to get me off. He's trying to get me sad. If I get sad, see, it's because I've taken my eyes off God. And if I take my eyes off God, that's the wrong place to start looking because now I am looking at the, the circumstance. I am looking at the waves. I'm looking at the adversity. And that will just cause me to go further down. But if I look above it and look at God and say, you're trustworthy, you're faithful. Oh yeah, there's this stuff, but that can change. Just look at the weather. It can change all the time. And if you make plans based on what you see, you may be making the wrong plans. Because, oh no, I mean, well... Looks like we can't do that. Looks like we can do that. Whatever. It's subject to change. We know that. If you don't know that, I mean, we can't go by what the, the, the weather app says. We know that. Well, in the world, though, we're like, yeah, but it looks like this. So, but my body's like this. Your body changes all the time. You may have a little something here, something there, and it's like, ooh. You know, devil tries to say, oh, that's something coming on real bad. No, it may just be indigestion or something. It passes, it goes, it's different. Our bodies change all the time. That means if it, can, if it can have gotten into a bad situation, it can get right out of it and go into a good situation. Don't think it's going to go down. Just say, oh, no, it's changeable. I can go up. Money, money changes all the time. You know your bank account is always fluctuating. We shouldn't get fixated on that. Relationships. That's with people. You never know. I've said the wrong thing. You can say the right thing. 
God can work on their heart. God can show you what to change, what to say so that it changes. Don't look at the circumstance to where there's no hope. Look at God, look past Him, and then in the middle of it, you can still be, hey, it's going to be okay. Somebody can look at you like you're crazy. No, it's going to be okay. Well, how would you know that? Because God's good and I'm following Him, and so I'm going to be joyful right now. What good is it going to be, do for me to be you know, down in the dumps? That's not going to help. That's just going to make it worse. Not going to help the problem. Let's look at this in the NIV. It says, First Peter 1.8, NIV, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Even though you don't see Him now, you believe in Him. Even though you don't see what His Word says you're going to have and what you have by... Uh, but what he said you could have, you believe in him, and so you're joyful anyhow. Anyhow. Just make up your mind that we're gonna, you're just going to be joyful. You know, we all have, we may have had days like that where we just made up our mind, oh no, nothing is going to steal my joy today. I know, you know, Shelly, there was a Mother's Day or something not long, you know, long ago. She, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on and she was going into it. She said, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to be having a good day today, period. Yes. Now, and, and there was a bunch of stuff going on and she's, oh no, we're going to have a good day. Well, we can do that. At any time. You may have a Friday. You know, people talk about like on Fridays and, you know, end of the work week, just a little bit. Hey, it's a good day. Well, even if stuff is going, I know it's the weekend. And it's a different mentality. You know, we can have a different mentality every day. Like no matter what, no, I'm having a good day today and I'm going to be enjoy it, period. Every day. It's an act of our will. You know, you think, surely something happened to me. Then, you know, anybody would feel bad in this situation. Well, maybe anybody would be tempted to feel bad, but according to the Word of God, we could still have joy in the middle of it, and that's part of us getting to the other side, because if we let go of it, then we may not be making it to the other side. It's nothing to be messing with. We want to be strong, you know? We want to have strong uh, joy so that we can have strength. We don't want to faint in the day of adversity. We want to go straight through in the day of adversity. That's exactly the time I need to be as strong as possible. So when we feel the most like not having joy is the time when we need to have joy joy. (laughs) We need to have super joy. That's because we can't afford at that point to be weak. You can't afford any time to be weak. But you know you can get low like, well, everything's good. And you may be, it may be fine because nothing's pressing on you. Nothing's pressing on me. But when we really are getting pressed, that's exactly the time we need to be like, no, I am definitely being joyful right now. I am not going to get off right now. I am not going to let go. Joy, true joy, is not based on circumstances. And it doesn't fade. You notice we started out in the parable of the sower. They started out with joy, but then it faded, and it didn't pull them through. True joy, it never fades. In other words, it's always there on the inside, but we have to tap into it. It's always there. The Holy Spirit didn't take a break just because we have a problem. 
He's right there. Think about it. The Spirit of Almighty God, when we have adversity, He's right there with us. We can't comprehend that, but we can take it by faith going, all that power, all that ability is right here. And the joy's right there. So what do we need to do? Certainly not act like He's not there and go, oh, well, I don't know how I'm going to handle it. We need to say, He's on the inside of me. I'm going to tap into it. I, oh, but I don't feel strong. But He's on the inside of me, and I can tap into His strength. I can tap into His joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength, and we can maintain that joy. It's not a works thing. It's not a drum it up thing. It is a switch thing. The joy is in there, and instead of closing it off, we say, I'm just going to yield to joy. I'm going to yield to it I'm going because it's on the inside of me. I don't have to go find it. It's already there. I just have to yield to it and let it bubble up out of me not putting anything on, just turning the spigot on and yielding to what God is doing already on the inside. See, that's a difference. Because we can yield to the wrong thing. We've all done it. We all know what it is to yield to the wrong thing. Well, we can yield to the right thing. Just say, you know what? My, my emotions feel like crying about this, but you know what? I'm just going to laugh instead, and I'm going to enjoy the presence of the Lord and know He's with me. And if He's with me, I can go over, I can go through, and it's going to be okay because he's with me. You ever done, you know, research on a product or a program, or maybe it's an exercise program, or maybe an exercise piece of equipment, and you got excited about, you know, you're doing all the reviews, you know, looking at all the reviews and the, the reviews and the, the research, and you're like, ooh, that's cool, and I think I'll add that feature, and see, that's the fun part. Going to the store, looking at everything, trying it out, you know, maybe, you know, something that you were going to be using. But then it's another thing when you bring the thing home and you start to use it and it's not easy. And then it just becomes a piece of equipment. You know, all the flash that was in the store or, you know, all those people that, yeah, they act like, like, this is the only piece of equipment they ever do to get that kind of a body. No, I don't think so. They're not doing that 20 minutes a day, three times a week, and looking like that. No, they have a whole regiment they're doing, and then they're posing for a picture that they did this a couple times to get familiar with it, so they can know what, look like they know what they're doing. But no. You know, that, that's called marketing. But then we think, you know, that's all I have to do, and I'll look like you, right? No. And on top of that, all the stuff they are not eating. And, you know, all that stuff. But then it becomes hard. We're like, no, this is not fun. And at that point, if we want the result, we're going to have to change, change how we're looking at it, right? Well, that's the same. You know, people are like, oh, the Word of God, I got it, I see it. We're going over until life is there. And it's like, well, I just don't see how. I, don't, I mean, where, where did God go? It looked, it sounded so easy in the sermon. In the book. It was like, that's all I have to do. I got it. Next time it comes, I got this under control. Man, it has no ability to mess with me. I'm just going to steamroll. And then it's there, and you feel the same way, tempted to feel the same way you did the other 18 times. And if we don't say, wait a minute, this is where I'm going to let God come through me. And I'm going to be in joy anyway. And that's how I'm going to go over to the other side. That's how I'm going to get through. 
That's how I'm going to be in victory. You know, <clears throat> when I was uh, single, you know, I, I, I was single, I had a, I had gotten, gotten done with college, I had gotten a job, you know, I, I worked at the place, I, I had intern, interned at this place, and they offered me a job, and I went and uh, was working at this place, and so then I, you know, I was ready for that next, I had a house, I bought a house, so in my mind, there's one thing missing, I need somebody to share it with, and I'm ready to, you know, okay, God, I'm ready for my spouse to show up. You know, it's funny, Brianna, I saw this fit right in with what I was saying. She, she posted on her story, she likes the, the, the uh, book Pride and Prejudice. Some other people like Pride and Prejudice too. So I've never read the book, but I've seen the movie. And the first line of that book says, and if we'll mean, or it says, it, says it, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Now, I didn't have a fortune but I was ready, and I was in want of a wife. <laughs> and, you know, I was ready to take the next step. And walking through that, you know, I was like, you know, I was serving in church and doing what I knew to do and, um, you know, working, and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm ready for that person to come. And I'll be honest with you, that was a challenge to me. You know, I'd be doing real well, working every day, going to work, and just, you know, routine, routine, and then I'd hit Friday night. I don't have a date, don't know anybody, and then I'm tempted to get down, and I did at times. And I remember one time, you know, so I'd go through that, I'd be like, come on, when is she going to show up? And, you know, I was in a little church, and I didn't have any prospects there, so I'm looking at, like, you know... Where is she going to come from? How is this going to work? And I remember one time I was, um, you know, I was helping with the praise and worship at that time. So there was one night, and I was just feeling sorry for myself. And we just, I just cut the practice short. And I'm just like, I'm getting out of here. I'm going home. And so, I mean, I, you know, I just, you know, we'll get it done. And you're laughing. You weren't there. <laughs> Shelly's laughing at me. So, you know, I'm like, I'm like, you know, just feeling, I was just going in, the, and I don't know, it, got, it was a Wednesday night service, and we run practices after, and we did it short, and then I'm like, okay, we're getting out of there. Well, my pastors, they're good pastors in Lincoln, they, they knew something was up, so I go home, and I'm feeling sorry for myself in my apartment. A little bit later, I hear this knock on the door, and they're there, and they come in, and I'm, I'm belly aching, and they're, wait, wait, what's God going to show up with my wife? And blah, blah. We had more than one conversation like that. They were good pastors. They walked me through a lot of stuff. You know, get me back on track, Jim. Look at where you're at. That'll happen in the future, you know, at, at the right time. But, but you know, that's not going to help. Where you're at right now, that's not going to help anything. You, ha you, you know, you're looking at me, young kid, and like they used to say, you know, in the 60s, 70s, everybody was like, they were trying to, they, you know, Christians, young Christians are like, they got to get married quick because Jesus is going to come and they want to be married before Jesus comes back. And you know the joke then, you know, now years later, they're going, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because after they got married to that person, <laughs> now they've lived with them all this time, and they're like, 
Now they want Jesus. Before they're like, Jesus, just hold off. You know, let me get married and let me experience everything and then you can come. Now they're like, get me out of here. They used to tell that. So they're like looking at me and they're like, yeah, if you want to get married, it's going to happen, but this is not going to help anything. You need to, you need to turn this thing around. <clears throat> so they'd walk me through that and I'd have to get my attitude to where it was, you know, should be walking on. Well, I didn't see. I was like, where's she going to come from? I mean, anytime there was a visitor at church, I'm like, you know. <laughs> Is this a possibility? <laughs> we had a small church. So, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm supposed, to have a, I'm supposed to have a wife. I mean, God, and my pastor just say, come on, you know, this is, if you, if you want to get married, you'll get married. This is what's supposed to be, but I'm looking at it and going, but it's not here. And I get to Friday, and I'm like, still, I want to go get something to eat with somebody. I want to do something, you know, and I'm not going to just go date anybody today. I want, I'm, I'm consecrated to God. So you have something that's in front of you that you believe should be different, and you got a choice to make. <laughs> I didn't make the right choice all the time, but I, I made progress. Well, I'm not going to leave to go to a different church or something where there's more people or whatever. I'm in the right place. And so, you know, God shipped my wife in from Oklahoma. She did her first and last music workshop in our church. And we got married a year later, and that was 23 plus years ago. And God was faithful, and I'm on the other side. And it's the same, though, with so many things. We have something that we're walking through, but then you have, you have a challenge in front of you that it doesn't look like you believe it should look like. And we're tempted to get, lose our joy. Wouldn't you look back? I mean, anybody that's been on the earth for a long time, then, you know, I mean, you're, especially if you're married, you look back and go, you know, you're not going to have that time forever. Use it. Enjoy it. Use that time. And it, but there's never a time where you go, oh no, the world's falling apart because what I'm believing for hasn't manifested yet. There, there's never a good time for that. It, it'll actually make us weaker and get us off the plan of God. So we are always tempted, tempted. There is temptation in the world to say something contradictory to the word, to, to get off of what he said, to lose our joy, but we can resist that and still focus on him, do the right thing anyhow. And that's what's going to bring us, keep us strong, bring us through, help us to get to the other side. Let's look at James 1, verse 2, and we'll look at this in closing. James 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy, knowing that the testing, see, we don't like that word, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In the Amplified, it says, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials. See, this is the right mindset that we got to change to when it comes to we hear the word now we're going to apply and something comes against us we have to switch from really oh no we gotta what to 
all right, I'm gonna count it joy when I hit a trial. See, that's totally foreign. That is not normal. That is not normal for people to, when they have adversity, to get happy about it. You're not happy about the trial, but if we know what God has said, we can make a, a change in the way we think to where when something comes against us, our joy level doesn't dip, it just solidifies. It's like, okay, trial time, so it's just going into rock-solid mode, like, you know, just a bulldozer that, hey, now we're needing this, and so we go into, I'm just, I'm running this thing over. Not in our own strength, but in what God said. He said, consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you're enveloped or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptation. That means all these things qualify. If it happens, I'm going to get wholly joyful about it. In the NLT, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Any kind of trouble comes my way, I say, this is an opportunity for great joy, and I go into super joy mode, stalwart, tank joy mode, and I'm like, we're going, we're going through. I'm strengthening myself. I am girding up my joy, ready to go through, and we're going to go over and we start talking about what it's going to look like when we're on the other side and don't get mired down here. We can't afford it. We can't get weak. We're going over. And that's how we're going to get to that 30, 60, 100 fold because we didn't stop along the way. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God.